0: Hey, I'm Drew. And I'm Tim. And this is the Hearts and Hands Podcast. In episode 42, we talked to Dan Jasperson about magic as an art form. Welcome to another episode of the Hearts and Hands Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Sonnenberg, joined as always by my co-host, Tim Babbler. Tim, how you doing?
1: Doing pretty well, Drew. Yeah, things are just, things are going well. Things are in a groove. How about you? Going pretty
0: well. Uh, we're installing a pastor this week, so I'm pretty excited about that. Also really excited because we got to talk to Dan Jasperson this week, who is, as far as I'm aware, the only Wells magician, and I secretly love magic. like I'll just stay up late at night watching episodes of Penn and Teller Fool Us. (laughs) Um, So I was really, really excited to get the chance to talk to him this week.
1: Yeah, it's a good experience, good insight, and just love love what he has to say. So uh, let's get right to that interview.
0: Today we are very excited to welcome Dan Jasperson to the podcast. Welcome, Dan. Hi. Thanks, guys. And Dan, for the, our listeners who may be less familiar with you, could you briefly explain who you are and what you do?
2: I am a magician.
0: I, I was with Kingdom Workers for
2: several years, and I performed at the, the Wells Youth Rally a couple times over the years. And now I'm a freelance magician. I live out in Wyoming and travel all over the country. And most of my clients are secular corporate clients, but occasionally I do hit a church and stuff like that too. But uh, yeah, so in short, I am a magician.
0: Awesome. And our listeners may be a little curious why we wanted you on the podcast, because they don't often necessarily associate magic with creativity or with, with art. But you very much think it's an art form, and I, I agree. But wh- why do you feel it it stands right up there with all these other uh, mediums we talk to, like music or, or writing or painting or anything like that?
2: Yeah, I think if you zoom out from, you know, you look at What's the definition of art? And generally speaking, this is very debatable territory, but of course, art is basically how are you going to express yourself through some form of creativity, you know? And so if you're writing and you're writing short stories or you're writing poetry or even nonfiction, you know, that's an expression of your perspective and your point of view on the world. Same thing with music. If you're writing songs and you're writing about, life and god and whatever it is you know you're you have a you have a point of view on the world and so as a magician i think that that's kind of my my chosen arena of expressing my perspective on on life and hardship and love and hope and all those sorts of things
0: so what, what is it that made that kind of drew you to magic or like made it stand out to you from other art forms
2: I think some people are kind of, what's the right way to say this, you know it from a very early age, but you don't always know it at that time. And so for me, when I was in second grade, I grew up in New Ulm, Minnesota, uh, St. Paul's Lutheran School right there in New Ulm. And when I was in second grade, my teacher was going around the room asking all of us kids, what do you think your God-given talent is? And so my classmates would... One by one, they were standing up saying, I'm good at dancing, or I'm good at music, or I like to help my mom, or, you know, all those sorts of things. Normal kind of second grade answers. Got around to me, and I stood up very proudly, and I said, I'm sneaky. <laughs> 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 and uh, and she says, okay, can you explain that a little bit more? And this is... Honest truth as I remember it, you know, 30 plus years later, but, uh, I said, well, if someone steals one of my toys, I can sneak behind them, climb up a tree and get it back. That was the logic of my, you know, eight year old brain (laughs) or whatever at the time, you know, so, so as I've grown up and, and studied and traveled and, and started performing and stuff, that little story has stuck in my head for such a long time. That is not when I got into magic specifically. That happened much later. I was in college and I was working in the Mall of America up in Minneapolis at a juggling store. At that time, I was 18, 19 years old and I was performing as a juggler already. And around the the corner from me was a magic shop. It was actually a costume shop, but in the back there was a, a counter that sold magic stuff. The guy that worked that counter was a retired con artist. And he had spent 30 35 years working for different mafias all over the world he'd been dealing crooked poker games and blackjack games in you know basement rooms of casinos and all kinds of places I met him when he was much older he was 65 or, or better at the time and and he was just selling magic you know and and I was a 19 year old kid who didn't know anything about magic and I walked in and I would watch him for hours just, I mean, after my shift was done at my store, I would watch him for a long time, performing for people and selling to people and all kinds of stuff. And after a couple of weeks of this, like he he figured out that I was interested. One day he tossed me a deck of cards and we went into the back room of the Mall of America, and he lit up a cigarette. And uh, <laughs> you're not you're not supposed to do that. And he started dealing cards and he started showing me how to deal these different invisible deals with with decks of cards. You know, and then I was hooked. And after that. I bought a few books and he sold me a few other things and taught me several other things. But kind of the rest is history from there. And now, you know, I'm about 20 years after that and I've got a library full of books and other resources and a handful of magicians that I trust and we swap notes.
0: I think one of the things that fascinates me about magic uh, is that there's sort of an element of of secrecy about it that... If you look at a painting, you don't really think, oh, I wonder how that was done. Like, you you know that they probably used paint and they used a paintbrush. And you may not know the exact technique or something that they used to get that particular look. But you have a general idea of how it worked. But with magic, at least part of it is that there is something you don't know. um, Something that is being hidden from you in some way. What, What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's true. (laughs) You know, I'm hiding stuff from you for sure. Sure. But what, what makes, why am I so drawn to that? Why are audiences so drawn to that, even though they know that there's secrets being kept from them?
2: You know, I, I haven't actually performed for a, a children's audience in 10 or maybe 15 years now. Almost all of my audiences are adults. And I firmly believe that adults need magic Way more than kids, you know, because I have kids. I've got three kids and, and my kids, they're actually inspiration for me. They don't need the magic. They they kind of see the world through a magical lens already. Everything is a discovery. Everything is new. And and even at, you know, my 11 year old, he comes home from school and he's like, dad, I learned about, you know, this and this and this today. And I'm like, that's awesome. Let's talk about that. And so I think that adult audiences, working adults, crave not novelty, but mystery. They crave something that they don't know and they don't understand, and they 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 can't logically work out. And it's hard to explain because you know we live in such a logical, reasonable society that you know it almost seems counterintuitive to suggest that people are craving this sort of thing. But I think that that kind of calls back to that that uh, that quiet little voice inside of us that's that's saying hey there's something bigger and bolder out here that you don't know about or that you know you haven't met yet so i kind of think you know spiritually that's where it's coming from that it's it's sort of this longing to to know that there's still mystery and there's still unknown things out in the world if that makes any kind of sense
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, no that's good i like that one of the things that always intrigues me about professional magicians, and especially those that are Christian, is the the idea that for a lot of people, the idea of magic seems like it's based on deception and trickery. And for us as Christians, it, when we're Christian artists, we like to find parallels uh, between like our faith and our art. And for you, with the idea for a lot of people that, that believe that uh, magic is this whole deception, trickery type thing... How do you get past that to find parallels between your faith and your art?
2: This is going to get weird really fast here, you guys. So we're looking up. forward to it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So on a very basic level, you know, there's a there's a huge difference between a painting of a sunset or a photograph of a sunset and a real sunset. You know, I think if we go into a gallery and we see a painting of a sunset, and as gorgeous as it might be. We understand that it's not the real thing, right? I think that magic, and this is, this is so hard to put into concise terms, but magic is essentially the study of the supernatural and the movements of supernatural beings and miracles and all of those sorts of things. It's the study of miracles and of powers And I can hear, I can hear people going, well, isn't that witchcraft? Well, it's not exactly because I never claim, I know, I don't say, Hey, this is real. This is real. You know, I'm really doing this. I'm representing those powers in different ways. And, you know, it's all for entertainment and I'm not out here, uh, preaching the gospel or anything like that, but I'm, I'm simply as an entertainer, I'm saying, look, if these powers were real, well, uh, this is what it might look like, you know, and and I think that over the course of the Bible, God used deception and obviously supernatural powers many many times, and I can already hear people going like, wait wait, God used deception? I think yes, I think he did. I think when you look at the mission of Jesus Christ when he came to Earth, and all of the times that the people who should have understood him didn't understand him until it was the right moment. You know I think the best example is the two disciples on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection and they're walking along with Jesus and by all accounts, uh, they had met Jesus in person before the crucifixion. and so they knew what he looked like. they knew what he sounded like. they had spent time with him, they knew about him, all of those things. and um, and now here they are strolling along, on the road and talking about all of the events of the last few days, and they had no idea that it was Jesus. Until the very last moment when it was appropriate that Jesus, you know, the scripture says that that it was revealed to them that they had been spending time with Christ. And and what did they do? They got up and they rushed back to Jerusalem and and told the disciples and all that good stuff. So I think that there are plenty of good examples in Scripture where. God uses deception in different ways. And and I don't think deception is maybe the best word. There's a negative connotation of it, but maybe mystery. God uses, he withholds information from us. He He keeps a secret for us so that at the right time, we can understand what he's talking about and what the purpose was. Does that make any kind of sense? Or am I crazy?
1: I think that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and it's something that, I know I personally haven't really thought of that. And especially because, like you said, the word deception has this negative connotation, right? But when you use it, uh, the word mystery to explain it, I think that's a very, very clear way of putting it.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that aside from scripture and, and Christianity and everything, deception is used all over the place for good means. You know, military campaigns use it all the time. I like to talk about, you know, parents playing the role of Santa Claus. And, you know, they, parents lie to their kids all the time. (laughs) Admit it, admit it, parents, you guys lie to your kids all the time, right? And, and, uh, you know, Christmas Eve, or, you know, whatever your tradition in your house looks like for Santa, and the parents put all the kids to bed, they're all excited. And so they're like, it's extra hard work to put kids to bed on Christmas Eve, and they're excited for the next morning and everything. And the parents spend extra time afterwards. They go out into the garage and they pull in this huge box of whatever gift they got. And they pull out their toolbox and they assemble the, you know, if it's a new bike or whatever, they have to put together this new bike. And and uh, they get a huge bow or they get great wrapping paper, paper that no other gifts were wrapped with, right? So it's special and unique to that that set of gifts they forge a signature on the tag and then and then you know two hours later they're finally crawling into bed exhausted and they have to wake up the next morning you know because you know that those kids are going to bounce out of bed they're going to run down to to the tree or wherever you have the setup and they're going to see this thing and the parents have to get up and act surprised what a massive lie You know what a huge deception, but what's the point? it's it, the point is is so so that those kids can have a special experience, so that those kids can experience a mystery like that. and And I think that God has done that for us in many different ways in our lives. And you know he uses he uses this this element of mystery in his being to surprise us and to delight us in different ways,
1: yeah. And I can't help with what you said again, b- but go back to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. If Jesus would have revealed himself right away, they would have sprinted back right away, as had uh, Mary when she saw Jesus in the garden uh, tomb right after, you know, when she thought that he was, his body was stolen. And there's so much different when he's like, we literally were just talking with him. He broke bread with us. And then Jesus comes and shows up. with them again, it's, it was that much more meaningful, I believe.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you used the phrase keeping a secret for your audience rather than keeping a secret from your audience. Could you elaborate on that just a little bit?
2: Yeah, magicians are accused of this all the time. And it's understandable that we keep secrets from our audiences. And and we guard these things. And And somehow, somehow people think, and, and actually a lot of magicians think this too, we think that the secret is the important part when it isn't the, the truth is that good magicians try and keep a secret for their audiences so that they can create this experience for them. And it's, it's, it's like wrapping paper on a gift. You know, it's like whether you're doing the Santa thing or not, it's, it's like you secretly buy this gift, wrap it up and get it ready for the birthday or Christmas or whatever. And, and, you could blurt out that hey i got you a new you know a new whatever for this gift 25 days before christmas day you know you could easily say that to your your you know husband or wife or kids or whatever but we don't we keep that secret for them so that way on that day when they open the gift it's special and and that's kind of how i think about magic is that the secrets yeah they're important but they're not the thing they're not the gift you know what i mean the gift is the gift is so much deeper and so much more interesting than the secret itself and you know i personally i love watching other artists work i love watching painters and sculptors work because i think that the process is really interesting to watch you know how do they apply those layers of paint to get that sunset or or whatever it is and i think for magicians you know over time we've become so guarded about these secrets that 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 we think that they're actually important when when really i hate to put it this way but the mechanics of magic most of the time are are really disappointing you know if you want to boil it down to the methods of how
0: we do our things you know you're going to be disappointed you you talk about when, when you kind of are in on the secrets it being a little disappointing how how do you keep it fun or interesting or intriguing for yourself as a creator when it it's almost more disappointing to be in the know
2: one of the hardest things for a, an experienced magician to deal with is thinking like a beginner and thinking like the audience because we do get really wrapped up in the how of something is gonna accomplish, you know, gonna be accomplished. We we get wrapped up in the in the secrets and and how it's gonna happen. Keeping that why in front of us, keeping the audience's surprise or delight or the message behind the magic or whatever, keeping that stuff front and center is really important. But man, it's so difficult to watch magic as a beginner for me now, as a, as a novice, as, you know, somebody who doesn't know a pile of secrets, because the truth is I've got, I've got a library of books sitting right behind me right now that, that has, I don't know, literally probably hundreds of thousands of secrets contained in them right now. (laughs) And, and I've read most of them, you know, so, so it's hard to fool me now. And it still happens occasionally, which is the best day in the, in the year. Like that's my favorite time of the year is when somebody fools me. And so I think, I think, uh, keeping your audience's perspective in mind, keeping the message that you want to convey front and center, that's, that's the hard work of being a magician, I think.
0: Well, we'd love to keep talking, but we also are running a little short on time, but before we go, we, if there's anything you'd like to plug or promote, we'd love to give you a chance to do that.
2: You know, most of my clients are, are corporate events and things like that, but I have occasionally gone out and performed at churches in different parts of the country and different youth rallies. I know that there's different regional youth rallies and things. And so if anybody's looking to book me for one of those sorts of things, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to talk about specific themes and messages that you want to wrap into any kind of performance or presentation. So you can find my information. You can Google me, just Daniel Jasperson will find it, or magicianatplay.com is the website. So find me. Let's
0: chat.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Dan. It was a pleasure talking to you. And I look forward to having you back on the show again real soon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
0: That wraps it up for another episode of the podcast. As always, if you have questions you want answers to or people you want to hear from, feel free to reach out to us at heartsandhandspodcast at gmail.com or on any social media platform at Wells Creatives.
1: And we'd also love to hear from you if you are another Wells magician so that you could prove us wrong. We'd love to talk to you as well. And we'd also like to say thank you to our patrons on patreon.com slash hearts and podcast. We just gained a new one a couple weeks ago. So thank you so much for joining. And if anyone else is interested in supporting us in that way to keep the podcast up and running, we'd love for you to check us out. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.